When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin in a uh, special appearance here to discuss yesterday's season-ending press conference from Mike Zimmer. Courtney, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. About 20 minutes of Mike Zimmer talking and the biggest themes, the biggest takeaways, the upcoming offensive coordinator search, although I, I guess we could say that that coordinator search is already on, and then the what happened this year from Mike Zimmer. It was very interesting to me. The place I want to start was with a question that you asked about Kirk Cousins, and you asked Zimmer <laughs> to evaluate Cousins from the good and the bad, and he didn't want to talk about the bad and didn't have a whole lot to say about the good. What was your takeaway in the total lack of conversation about Kirk Cousins in the final press conference? Kirk was the only player that anybody asked about in specific, which, you know, had we had more time, I think it was kind of unfortunate that it only went 20 minutes because the next time we get to talk to Mike Zimmer's the combine. Um, I think Everson Griffin needed to be addressed and how just how bad his season was after he came back in week eight. I think Sheldon Richardson and Anthony Barr and free agency needed to be addressed. But um, obviously, there's a time and a place for, for those questions. But Kirk, of course, Kirk is going to come up in the in the season ending press conference. I mean, for Zimmer to sit there and say, well, it's not about any one player like the team wins the game. A play, You know, it's not one player doesn't come in and you know, change a team or, you know, win games, lose games. Kirk Cousins is the reason that you lost a handful of games this year, more than just a handful. And I, from his non-answer answer, I take it that, you know, he doesn't want to look like he's pinning blame um, on Cousins and, and where things, you know, went wrong this season. But the question has to be asked. I mean, if it's not about any one player or anything like that, well, the financial figure attached to his name makes it about one player and about one player above all other players. So, you know, I, I think that I'm looking at the quote right now, you know, the, the areas of the, where he met up to his expectations, where he like to see him improve upon um, the whole thing about like, he's a good teammate, he's a good locker room. Like he worked, studied hard, worked extremely hard, um, you know, but 
that type of stuff, I don't really think tells us much of anything about, you know, what to expect from Kirk Cousins going into year two from the eyes of Mike Zimmer. I just, you know, the whole, I think it's a combination of the team, not particularly one player. Did, did he play to the way you expected him to play this year or not? Did you, nobody expected eight, seven and one. So of course he's not going to say, yeah, I expected him to come here and be terrible and to look shell shocked in the face of pressure. But I do think that that's Mike Zimmer's non-answer is more of an answer uh, than, than saying flat out like, Oh, he did great. I, I felt the exact same way. And where I come back to with Zimmer all the time, when we assess the things that he says is he's just not a very good liar and he never has been. And I have a lot of respect for people who can't lie very well, right? It's not, it's yeah. not a skill that I ever want anyone around me to have. And a lot of head coaches do have that skill where they can really effectively BS. I guess it's not exactly lying, but it's just, it's just more effectively talking around something than Mike Zimmer ever can. And I think in, Instead of sitting there and saying what he really thought about some of the games where they came up short, he elected to just go with, I'm not going to tell you anything I think about this, and I'm just going to leave it right there, and you can sort of infer the rest. And I feel the same way about the obsession over the running game. I mean, you know, they actually averaged more yards per carry this year than they did last year, but a lot of it was being down in games repeatedly when you can't get a third down and seven completion to move you on, or you can't, uh, you know, even scheme up a third down and two to keep moving you down the field and, and then you can run more effectively. And so I think that the obsession with the run game is also in part pointed toward the quarterback in a way. So he can't say, well, we've got to run more because our quarterback has 22 fumbles over the last two seasons, and that scares the heck out of me. He's got to just say, well, it'll help him in the play action. Yeah, I mean, there's he, you can dance around the subject all you want, but fact of the matter is Kirk Cousins did not meet up to your expectations. I'm sorry. Like, you know, you don't pay someone that type of figure. And, yes, it's not just about one player. This is This is not a league where one player can come in and – elevate a team to win a championship like with Kevin Durant coming to Oakland and you know helping the Warriors win the title in in 2016 um excuse me 2017 and then going on beyond that like that it's but then again it's like it's Durant as a piece to help you get there it's not just Durant winning it on its own I like to use that analogy because people talk all the time about like oh well like the LeBron argument even Kirk has used a LeBron argument that like LeBron you know it's not the NFL it's not the NBA where you can just pluck a superstar player and expect him to go win the game. No one expected Kirk to win games on his own, but they expected him to play better than he did in the biggest moments of the season, which every single moment he came up short. So that to me, going into this off season, we have nine months of this, nine months of the argument that is Kirk Cousins actually going to be able to to do what Minnesota brought him in here to do, and that's to help elevate pieces around him to win a championship. It's not to win the championship on his own, but what can he possibly do? From our sample size, we have 16 games in year one and all the stuff from Washington. It all looks a lot like the same because it is the same. How do we know if that's going to be any different in year two and then going on into year three? So moving beyond Cousins, though, because, I mean, that's a big point that we're going to go back and forth on all season long, all off season long. I, I, I want to talk to you about the coordinator search because it really matters in terms of the maximizing Kirk Cousins. One thing we can agree on, I think, 
is that John D. Filippo did not do that effectively all the time, especially when it came to Kirk Cousins' struggles uh, with the pocket presence and so forth, that he wasn't made better by John D. Filippo. I would still argue that D. Filippo was at home in Week 17 sort of nodding his head or uh, going back through the tape and looking at the open receivers or the, the missed throws, you know, the one to Stephon Diggs in Chicago and wondering if he'd still have a job if that didn't happen. But uh, moving beyond him, there are some better ways to get the most out of Kirk Cousins, and now they have a chance at an offensive coordinator search. Do you think that that answer for who can get the most out of Cousins is in-house in Kevin Stefanski? Yes, I do. I think that Stefanski probably, you know, we don't know a whole ton of names just yet. There really aren't a lot that surfaced outside of, you know, Stefanski being the, the clear front runner, you would assume right now, because he's getting head coaching interviews. Um, you'd think that the Vikings would want to keep that continuity, that stability. But Mike Zimmer did say he wants to be very thorough. He wants to ask questions that he didn't ask last year um, and, and really take this uh, probably a different direction than he took the uh, offensive coordinator process that he filled last year with John Filippo. But the reason I think Stefanski above the Hugh Jacksons or, you know, any of the other names, Freddie Kitchens, maybe his name's being thrown in there. I, I don't know. I mean, I just know that the Browns, there's been some like uncertainty as to whether he's going to stay. And I think that he also has, um, you know, some ties to Zimmer with like the Parcells era. But anyways, with, with a guy like uh, Kevin Stefanski, he worked with Kirk as his quarterback's coach since the day that he arrived in Minnesota. I think that he knows Kirk's personality, what works. Um, you know, what the one thing that kind of sticks out to me still from Kevin's like introductory week, essentially, of as offensive coordinator, um, Mike Zimmer said that he thinks that Cousins will be more apt to wanting to talk more mm-hmm. and suggest suggest more, you know, those types of things to Kevin Stefanski. You give him another year of that, then those two are on the same page and it's a much better working relationship than, you know, a makeshift thing that you start in week 15. So I I do think that Kevin Stefanski, just given his what he what he did, he's a Shermer disciple. He went back to the concepts with heavy personnel, with the run game, with, um, you know, the things that made them really good in 2017 against inferior opponents that they crushed and rightfully so they did that um it's just a matter now of like can Stefanski help them scheme around some of the weaknesses of the quarterback against really good opponents like the Chicago Bears who are going to be very good for years to come and probably become they'll probably take uh the place of the head-to-head matchup for first place in uh the NFC North for years to come between the Vikings and the Bears um but I, I think he's in the right spot to continue on his career to finally get to do the job that he's wanted to do for so long, it's now just going to be a matter of the front office. Um, will they view him as what he deserves to be viewed as? And that's as a play caller who probably should have gotten this job a year ago, considering he interviewed for it a year ago and they decided to go in a different direction. I like what you said about the communication point, And that really stuck out to me too, where Zimmer was careful in the way that he answered that question about Kirk Cousins having more communication with Kevin Stefanski, but he said, I think you'll have more of a say. And with Cousins and his personality, I think he wants to have a lot of control over what he's doing. And even Rich Gannon, you know, Purple Podcast listeners heard Rich Gannon talk about when there were plays that he wasn't comfortable with, 
You know, he had good uh, quarterback coaches who would just cancel them out of the game plan then. If you're not comfortable with it as the quarterback, then we're not going to do it. And I don't know that John Filippo took that same approach. Uh, I think that Filippo was probably more of a guy that was, this is our game plan, this is what we're doing, and now you go follow it. And uh, Stefanski, having a, a while to see what Kirk Cousins' personality was really like and what makes him tick and what makes him work and what doesn't uh, probably helped him quite a bit. Now, the other thing that we're hearing a lot about is the possibility of Hugh Jackson. And yeah. the, the way I think about Hugh Jackson, Courtney, is when he was the offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, he had a very similarly flawed quarterback in Andy Dalton and was able to get quite a bit out of him. But... His record in Cleveland and the subsequent trashing of everybody beyond that or, or rejection of blame beyond that when he went on his ESPN tour after getting <laughs> fired. Well, I, I think that that no, will, you're right. It was it was a little absurd that to will see go him on every single TV, every was. show that day for like seven straight hours. It, it was. It was very strange to see that. But I think that that will go over about as bad as any hire could ever go over oh. in the NFL if they decide to do that. Absolutely. I mean, ties to Zimmer aside, I think that they've got to be smarter than to do something like that. A guy who had, he had a one in 31 record. Is that right? Is that where it still stood by the time he got fired? Uh, he had the tie. So I, was it maybe one thirty two thirty something and one? Not, yeah, it, something. It, was, it wasn't good. And I mean, the perception that you bring a guy like that in, I mean, the perception that a guy like that can continue to bounce around and get job after job. And, you know, he goes on to the Bengals staff like mid, you know, what is it ahead of like week 12 or something like that um, and, and still had a job. The fact that that keeps happening just really, that's something I struggle with in terms of the NFL. As I told you uh, at Zim, after Zimmer's postseason uh, or, you know, press conference that, He's kind of like this year's Jeff Fisher. You just can't get rid of him. He keeps going from job to job. He gets fired. He ends up somewhere else. Um, I'll be very curious to see. I mean, I think the Bengals fans will probably burn their franchise down if he indeed does get that job as a head coach. But, you know, I understand it from the sense, and that's kind of like people I've been talking to the last few days, ever since his name surfaced, have kind of relayed the same thing to me that, it's a realistic possibility in the sense that look at everything that's there. It's not that, oh, this is going to happen, but you have to take into consideration that Kevin Stefanski is becoming a hotter candidate because there's really not a lot, as you said, there's not a lot of guys out there right now because a lot of them who are potentially going to get jobs are coaching in games this weekend and, and, and further into the postseason. So, you know, to me, if Hugh Jackson gets hired here, it's going to look, I think it's going to carry the perception that the Vikings really didn't do their homework, that they should have waited longer, uh, at least to interview other candidates, especially if this happens right away. Yeah, I wonder if there is a, a panic at all about getting someone in now to begin work as opposed to waiting for literally two months to have the playoffs done so you can interview this guy or that guy. And they can't interview them through the playoffs, but you know, making those hires or waiting till everyone's done to make a hire, uh, that I'm not sure that they want to do that again or not. And there are some other interesting names that could come up. Uh, you know, you mentioned Freddie Kitchens is definitely one of them. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter is another one who did yeah. not seem to work very well with Matt Patricia, but had the seventh ranked offense two years ago on a nine and seven team for the Lions. 
Jim Caldwell, Todd Monken, some other guys that, that might be interesting. Adam Gase's name is bouncing all over the place. And people would also know Daryl Bevel. I, I listed him sure. uh, in my article for potential candidates. I, I guess the bigger question, Courtney, is do you want someone who's done this before and you can look at their body of work and they're going to be comfortable walking into a situation as an offensive coordinator because it's not their first time and they can sort of be the head coach of offense? Or are you looking for someone like Stefanski or Zach Taylor as another guy the quarterback's coach for – uh, the for the Rams, Rams. Someone, yeah. someone who's a little more inexperienced, but might be on the younger side or the more innovative side, or I don't know if we should even connect those to the young and, and innovative. So what do you think that they're, they're looking for? Here? Well, I mean, you saw what happened with young and innovative in last year with, with Mike Zimmer. I mean, John Filippo was heralded as a, somebody who's going to be a hot head coaching candidate after one season going from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. And now his name is nowhere. Um, it just kind of shows you what that, you know, change the difference in mindsets between Zimmer and, um, between, between Zimmer and Filippo, and just kind of like what that did to this season. Uh, there was most certainly internal struggles that caused this team to falter. And, um, I, I look at that thinking, okay, do you want not a clone? It's probably the, the wrong way to do it because every play caller is different, but I guess maybe the word is, do you want somebody that's, a similar makeup to what you had in John Filippo in terms of the young offensive heralded guru, the, cause that's exactly what a guy like Zach Taylor is. I mean, when you see what his, his work with Jared Goff and things like that, um, I don't know if that's the right fit, but then there's like, okay, you go to a guy who knows Mike Zimmer in and out. One of his you know closest friends in the NFL, um, a guy who was, you know, he taught offensive football too. And Zimmer has taught defensive football too over the years. Like, do you really want, Somebody, you know, would that be a better fit of having somebody who understands the head coach and what the head coach wants? To me, I keep going back to it. Kevin Stefanski is that guy. Kevin has been here for 13 seasons and he has been here through three different coaching staffs and knows every single moment of the Mike Zimmer era, has lived it, knows how Mike Zimmer ticks, knows what he wants and knows how to get, you know, to do his job at a, at a level where Zimmer's happy with it. So, I think that that's why getting a guy like that, which is kind of a happy medium. Kevin's 36 years old. Um, he will, this will not be his only job that he has. He'll probably end up, you know, going on to be a head coaching candidate soon enough if he can get this offense figured out. But he has a lot of experience with a lot of different coordinators under his belt. And he has the experience that nobody else that, that will, um, you know, potentially be a candidate for this job. Nobody else has already worked with Kirk Cousins. I think that that's important and something that you certainly want to factor in here. Well, I, I totally agree with you on that. And if you're giving me my pick, I probably go with him without uh, being able to be in the room to, to do the interviews or anything like that. Uh, I, I do wonder about Zimmer if he's looking for someone who he can easier project. But then what, what comes to mind is uh, you ever heard the theory about uh, movies and how you really don't know Hollywood has no idea what's going to do good in the box office and what isn't? Um, I don't know if I've heard that theory. I know it exists in real life. Like, uh, well, I watched the worst movie of all time the other night, and they spent like Sharknado. Five, no, Sharknado was a good movie. I watched <laughs> Life. It's I, I watched Life itself, and I read the reviews on it. And Rolling Stone, they had like this all-star cast. 
And Rolling Stone said that the only real tragedy in this movie was buying a ticket to go see it. Oh, and I was wow. like, whoa, and I still watched it. So it was not very good. And um, but like, of course, it's like you look at these things where there's, you know, big names, big money spent and it flops. So I, I'm sure that that supports your theory. Yeah, well, that's right. That's that's the whole theory It's just that they have all these different ways of trying to figure it out and all these different thoughts of if you release this then and if there was another movie that did well that was like this and you really and ultimately all the data says you make your movies you put them out there and you have no idea if it's going to work or not even if it's good or not like even the rotten tomatoes thing it just doesn't make a difference and so i think the same thing about offensive coordinators i think you could try all you want to, to interview a guy differently. I know Zimmer said he wanted to interview people differently. I think you could do all the research. You can make all the phone calls. You can lock he and Kirk Cousins in a room for 24 hours and videotape it and see how it goes. And it just isn't going to tell you whether it works on Sundays against the Chicago Bears. And maybe those odds are tipped one way or another from someone with experience, but you could also say there's a reason why that experienced person does not have a job anymore, <laughs> probably because something yeah. went wrong in their last place. So I, I have no idea how you figure out how to do this right. I think you roll the dice and you just hope that it comes up Matt Nagy or Sean McVay and not John Filippo. Well, the thing with Filippo too, I mean, like you were saying, you can lock them in a room, like they can spend all this time together. Those two like were, were in lockstep throughout this year, just in the amount of time that they spent together. I mean, every Friday they had like their, their one-on-one session that lasted a very, very, very long time. Um, and it's like, you can, you can, you can spend all this time together. You can come up with strategy. You can talk about, you know, all the meetings during training camp where you're staying and going through like the hundredth play of the install till 10 o'clock at night. And, all that stuff doesn't mean anything if it, if it doesn't translate to what happens on the field. And I don't think that it was a relationship issue uh, between like personalities between Filippo and Cousins, um, which I know kind of sounds like, you know, then why am I like pumping Stefanski so much because of the relationship aspect? I think that personality wise aside, I mean, sure, you don't want to be like going to work every day, like with a person that you don't like, but personality wise aside, I think he knows what Kirk does really, really well. That's why we saw so much play action when, you know, it was earlier in like the first, you know, two games of Stefanski. We didn't see much of it at all against the bears, but um, he can play to his strengths and he can play to the strengths of the other personnel. I mean, look at Dalvin Cook's usage, look at the way that they use Kyle Rudolph in those first two games. Like, I just think that that's something that you should take into consideration. Somebody who has a storied history with this franchise, with this playbook, and knows how to make it work and knows how to find workarounds for things that don't work. Okay, beyond the offensive coordinator, I wanted to ask you about the free agents coming up here and just sort of your first sense. Like, we are so far away from free agency that it's a little frustrating. Like, okay, well, we've got to wait through the whole playoffs. and uh, I know, we'll it's see. crazy. But just like first first sense on the free agents, I just want to go down them one one by one, and you could tell me yes or no whether you think they'll be back. Let's do that like quick, and then we'll circle back to the most interesting ones. So Sheldon Richardson, back yes or no? I, yes. Okay, Latavius Murray. No. Anthony Barr. No. Brett Jones. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. <laughs> I didn't, no. mean, I didn't mean to laugh. I, I just, one of your, one, no, we're only laughing because right. 
Because we miss him. We will miss him because he was such a great interview. He really was. He's a really smart guy. Another offensive lineman said that they could see Brett Jones becoming a head coach someday because he's that smart. And I agree. He was when we talked to him. Uh, Nick Easton. Yes. Dan Bailey. Yes. Marcus Sherrills. You can't kill him. Yes. <laughs> uh, Amir Abdullah. Nah. Tom Johnson. Because they're bringing Sheldon back, I'll say no, and because I, and I'll get we can get to that. Okay, um, Tom Compton. No, I say they do. Um, George Iloka is definite no, and <laughs> absolutely not. Poor George. George is probably like he's probably already very mad. Into, he's probably like so far away from here right now that he will never come back to the state of Minnesota. That oh, poor guy. Poor George. That really right. nice guy. God, um, what what a what a farce! What an absolute farce! I that know. is so unfair for we, for what we got. I, we I got Tremaine Brocked. We we, we we did. We did. We talked a ton about it, and then it never mattered. It's same with Tremaine Brock. They will not get us next year, Courtney. Like next no, no, year, they won't. Two days before the season, when they sign some other guy that got cut, I am saying no. I am not writing an article about it. We're not doing a podcast about it. Don't even whisper that person's name to me. Um. Aldrich Robinson. Well, if I mean, if I don't want to go ahead and give your theory away to the hot take article that you're planning to write, but assuming they don't bring the player in that you are going to be talking about, instead, hot take article. Sure, let's bring Aldrich back. Oh uh, well, I'm I'm not even going to address that, but that's a perfect tease <laughs> for Monday. I'm just give it, writing yes. a Monday article, or sometime soon, sometime soon. Go to our website every day and make sure it's there. Um, Anthony Harris. You know, he's an RFA this year, so I think that he will entertain offers from other teams. I don't think it would be the worst thing if the Vikings go in the direction of looking for someone else just to test the safety market, but I do think Anthony Harris will eventually be back. Did a great job uh, this year filling in for Anderson Dale. And the last one that I have for the UFA list, uh, it says UFA for Anthony Harris, but he's an RFA, right? I believe he's still a restricted free agent this year. Let me double check that. I'll double check that. He was an RFA last year, and I want to say that he's an RFA again this year. Okay, last one, Trevor Simeon. Um, Could be. Could be. I mean, Sloter's probably gone. Like, you know, it's it's about time to, like, shore up that quarterback room a little bit more than it has been. But probably, maybe, maybe. Yeah, why not? Sure. So, since it's a yes or no, let's go yes. Could they go to... um, Kyle Sloter is their backup, you think? Is he NFL ready? I don't know. I don't know. Trevor Simeon's a good backup. Not that we ever got to see him, but like he's got a good resume. And I don't think that at times maybe it would have been the worst thing to see Trevor Simeon over Kirk Cousins. Yeah, we on another podcast with Eric Eager, we broke that down a little bit more. If it would have been worth like benching him in the fourth quarter of a game here or there where he didn't show up and Yeah, he, I mean I'm not maybe. saying like I'm not saying at halftime. I'm saying like, you know, if it's like, what, what else do you have to lose? Pull Kirk. Like, why not? Um, why not is because he probably melts down at that point, but, uh, you're well, right. You're the, right the, on Anthony Harris. RFA. The other, yeah, good. Uh, the other quarterback melted down too. Which one? Oh, Kirk. Yeah. You're saying, well, you're, you're saying Trevor was going to melt no, down. No, no, no. Well, I was Kirk saying also Kirk. Melted down. I was saying Kirk would probably. Oh, have melt, the, yeah. Melt down. Yeah. And the, the do whole you think point. that he would start? Do you think he would start conducting quarter like um, <laughs> rap rap clinics? 
things like that? I don't know. The whole point was I was kind of kidding at first in just saying whatever happened to teams pulling their quarterback and putting someone else in to see if that will spark. It used to happen a well, lot, like in the 80s and well, 90s. It happened in Jacksonville. That didn't really do much. No, it most certainly didn't. But even like mid game, it doesn't happen mid game anymore. Um, so let let me circle back to the the couple that are the most interesting here: Sheldon Richardson and Anthony Barr, are the two most interesting to me. And Anthony Barr, they can franchise, but is it is it interesting to you that they rarely use the franchise tag? It's not interesting to me because it was just like I it's it's what this team does. It rarely uses a franchise tag. What was the last one like? Um, Kleinsausen? No. Um, I swear they was, franchised Jim Kleinsausen. They might have, but was that like 2000 and what was it, early 2000s? Franchise tag hasn't been around that long, so it would have had to have been. Um, anyways, for whatever reason, this team just, they don't structure, a lot, they don't have the structure with their salary cap, they use it that much. And yes, Anthony Barr was a very good player for you this year. Um, in spurts, um, what he really wants to do. And you can tell by like his body language, by what he says to us about how good he is, you know, on third down blitz packages, things like that. Anthony wants to be a three, four outside linebacker that rushes the passer. Yeah, Go he might as well wear a sign that says that on his back. Just like, <laughs> make me an outside rusher. I mean, go to te- go to the Houston Texans and do that. Like he would be, can you imagine him in that defense? Yeah, I think I think he would thrive in it. The only thing I wonder about is, will someone with a 3-4 defense pay him to do that? And then all of a sudden he's got to go up against tackles all the time instead of often rushing free at the quarterback. Like, he has a lot of success rushing. I think that in this defense they should use it more. But I wonder if he is sort of equating his success rushing the passer to, if I was a defensive end, I would do this too, and I'm not certain about that. Yeah, I, I could see both. Like, I mean, is, is he a defensive end? Probably not. Like, I mean, he's is he kind of built like one? I think Sheldon or I think uh, Harrison Smith said that. So, kind of. I mean, I guess you could maybe see it, but you know, I think Anthony is better as an outside linebacker, and that's where his ceiling is. Could they tag and trade him? Yes, but I just don't see that as a possibility. I think it's too expensive. I think that Sheldon Richardson, if every, if you can infer, and this is not knowing what their priorities are because they're never going to come out and say it, but if you can infer from what Mike Zimmer has said about the importance of the three technique at, at, you know, on his defensive line, that is kind of the position that makes the rest of the unit go. I think you have to try to make Sheldon Richardson. I said this throughout the week. He's got to be your priority. Okay. Counterpoint. Uh, okay. The Vikings had the number one defense in the NFL with Tom Johnson and Shamar Stefan because True. Linval Joseph makes people better. And if you mix one run stuffer with one pass rusher on the interior, you can kind of fill up what Sheldon Richardson brings to both. And I'm not sure either that Richardson is a real run stuffer. He pre- he pressured the heck out of the quarterback. But I, there were times where I felt like if he got double teamed in the run game, he could be taken advantage of a little bit there. And and the equation for me is almost all about the price. I think Sheldon is a fantastic player. But, I mean, what's your ceiling on the price to pay Sheldon Richardson? I mean, to counter that argument, if, you, if you're expecting that, like, Tom Johnson comes back for another year at 35 years old, is he going to have the same sort of production? I mean, look at where Everson is right now. He's, you know, 31 or something. 
Like he's, you know, he's kind of on the decline. Yeah, he's 31. Like Lindell Joseph, honestly, the rest of the season was not playing very well. Did not have a good game against the Bears from what I went back and watched. Like, you know, there's 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 a lot that's going on there that I think if you have a guy like Sheldon Richardson who's going to be 27 next year, you're getting him kind of in the prime of his career, I think you've got to keep him. I mean, I assume, though, that you counter – balancing that point means that you believe that they should keep Anthony Barr. I guess I'm looking at it like Sheldon Richardson will look for the absolute top dollar in free agency and he should. And when he gets that, he's going to go. And if you're talking about that type of price, if it's in that 13 to $15 million range per season for Sheldon Richardson, I think that makes it very difficult to do the other things that you want to do on offense or in free agency or other people that you want to keep. And I I don't know if that necessarily means turning to Anthony Barr uh, with that type of money because franchising him is going to be very expensive. It's just that I could see uh, Sheldon Richardson not wanting to resign, even if they do want him. Yeah. I mean, if they can pay him, I could see him wanting to be in this, in this role. Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to go back to being a rushing end like he was with the Jets, like in that type of defense. Do you? I mean, I, I see, no, I, I think his, his interior presence is where he can make some really good money. Um, you know, the reasonable number you'd think for Barr, though, like, so if he, t- like, this is like stuff I thought about like months ago before he was a guy left out of like the whole extension deal. Um, so if he's like a 4-3 linebacker, like, and you ask him to do, like, 8 million things as a 4-3 linebacker. Like, I don't think he wants to go for less than 12 or 13 million. Maybe, like, a, a reasonable number there with the Vikings is, like, 11.5 or 12. If he takes a team-friendly deal, it's 10. And, and Anthony Barr is not going to take a team-friendly deal. He'd yeah. be dumb to do that because he's too talented. Um, and, and that's where I think that, you know, a guy like him, if you do the franchise tag, like, and you can try to work out a long-term deal – like that's that's tricky probably with what you're going to do with your with your cap situation um you know going forward but it might not be in the whole argument of tagging and trading I could see it but I also this team just has no real you know track record to make me believe that they could actually do that they could have remember that remember the Keenum tag and trade argument last <laughs> year that yes, worked out yes. that worked out really well should have done it should have done it right yeah. somebody would have traded for him somebody paid him 20 yep. million dollars over 3 years I sure did. Just saying. Um, what else, if anything, did you take away from Mike Zimmer's final press conference? And we can end our conversation there. There's one thing, um, and you know, the the mindset aspect of what Tony Sperano brought to this team, and that just he, Mike Zimmer, you know, the death of Tony Sperano sent them in a downward spiral, and they didn't have an identity. And he kept mentioning how they just didn't have that nastiness about them. Yep. Um, not not the offensive line specifically, but they didn't have that edge. And it's kind of like, okay, well, does that start with like building, you know, finding an offensive coordinator who can emulate that or things like that? And Zimmer had an interesting quote, um, you know, that I, I want to read because I'm, I'm just, it, I'm trying to like figure out how this actually happens. So he said, um, drafting and building any position is really hard. And obviously here he's, he's referring to the offensive line. Obviously, offensive line is a tough spot, but there's plenty of them. I would not say that it's as simple as that. I think there are a lot of things that go on, and we have to do a better job there. If you look at the last, if you look at the five years that I've been here, defensively, we are kind of going up, and he's, you know, at this time, he's doing like the crescendo thing with his hand and maintained where we were. And offensively, we've been down here. 
So at least he's been, you know, he's very honest as much as it kind of shows you too, though, why he's had so many coordinators, if that's the mindset. Um, (laughs) I have to do a better job of creating the defensive mindset and attitude for the most part on offense. It's probably as simple as that. Okay, that's not simple, though, because what are, you know, how do you do that? That's easier said than done. Oh, we just want to create like how our defense is on offense. I mean, are you going to coach the offense too? Like, I think that that's kind of an easier said than done thing. I mean, the offense last year when they were so good was flying by the seat of their pants half the time. And they're, they were very, very good at pulling things out of their hat uh, to make it happen. But how does that mindset actually translate over? I don't know other than if Kevin Stefanski is the coordinator here that he can kind of, he understands them or he can embody Zimmer in his offensive mindset. But I just don't know if, if, if you say your defense is the bread and butter of your team and that's what, how you want to win games, I don't think you can have that same mindset offensively because it's like there's there's one dominating aspect and it's your defense. They're going to carry that. So uh, my takeaway on that is I do believe that even the defense lacked the same sort of edge, but they got oh, it sure. as they went along. But but there was something missing there on defense without B-Rob, without Terrence Newman. I think you and I both felt that even in training camp. Now, I will say, though, that um, there I forget which episode of Zach Lowe's podcast he was interviewing someone about the San Antonio Spurs and how the Spurs now are sort of in a little bit more of disarray or, you know, Popovich is trying his best. But the culture of the San Antonio Spurs is is lauded all the time. And it really comes down to your best player or your best players. And when you have five elite players on your defense or more, yeah, you got nasty because the best players in football usually have nasty. And when you don't have the best players in football on offense, aside from your two wide receivers who are not really in nasty type positions, that's what you end up with. You end up with a whole heck of a lot less. You know who the great offensive linemen are? Usually guys who are pretty nasty and have an attitude to them, right? I mean... So I, I guess uh, that's kind of the way I look at it is one of the things that you're going to say there is you just haven't had a quarterback who's had that uh, a real fiery demeanor. Um, even even Bridgewater's wasn't fiery like that. It was more calm and you can win either way, but you don't have that in Kirk Cousins. You don't have either of the things. I wouldn't call him fiery because he yelled at a wide receiver on the sideline. Um, no, I call that a temper tantrum. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, "Look at that fiery leader." I think that's what he wanted us to think. Um, and and I that think, was not how it came across to anyone watching that. I also think that he wanted it to look like that. What was happening in week seventeen wasn't his fault, but you know that's that's a little harder to look into for sure. Um, but anyway, that aside, I think it's really just about the players. I I, I just don't think you have too many nasty super, super talented players on offense like you do on on defense. I think that's what it's really about, not about how he coaches it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the, you can follow the dollar signs to figure that out. True, um, yeah, absolutely. That, you know, you're, if, you're, if you're spending most of your money on defense, that's where the focus is going to be. It's where the priority is going to be. That's what your collective mindset is going to be, a defensive mindset with defensive players. So I don't know if it's as simple as, oh, come on, offense, do things the way we do it. <laughs> yeah, I just, right. you know. Yep. It's a it's it's a good thing for him to say. Um, it also kind of sounds like a, a little bit of a scapegoat here. Well, you know, the offense just doesn't have our mindset. If they were more like us, they'd be better. Yep. Like yep. I I don't buy that at all. Yep. But it's... let's let's see, let's see. Proof is in the pudding, as they say. Let's see if Mike Zimmer, whoever his offensive coordinator is, if he can 
A, get on the same page with the OC early on um, and not ever run into the issues that he and John Filippo did, but also be like, hey, this is important to me. Like, I want this to happen. So find little ways that you can instill that nasty mindset of the defense that they've had by and large the last few years in your mm-hmm. offense. Okay, well, uh, we will have only, let's see here. When does free agency start? The combine? Uh, let's free agency see. is what, like March, March like 11th or something this year? I don't know the exact date, but well, we it's not it's not long. Almost two months before the combine. No, longer than that. Almost three months before the combine. Combine's the last week. Combine's the last week of February, so it's like just under three months. Whew. Oh. Well, got, you got the Super Bowl to look forward to. Yeah, I was going to say, we can get together and watch the playoffs. So uh, we will do that. <laughs> but uh, Courtney, just uh, from my perspective, um, really enjoyed our Purple Live shows this season and going even back to grinding away every day at, at training camp and sweating our faces off out there watching uh, watching every practice and things like that. It has been uh, a wild ride as it always is with uh, covering this team, and I'm glad we could – uh, do our podcast together while tracking it. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And, and just a big thank you to everybody who has kind of become our extended Twitter family. Um, the people who, you know, are, are talking about the boots uh, on Christmas <laughs> Eve at 930 at night, yes. asking asking the two of us like about play action. I mean, we love that type of stuff. We love the tape grinders. We love the people who uh, like understand our inside jokes. Like, I think it's hilarious when, when I'm tweeting at you about diet Pepsi that we've got like five or six likes on it immediately because people already know that you and I have a rift over diet Pepsi. So thank you to the people who have listened to our podcast, who continue to give us great questions, you know, good, good, good fan perspective. Uh, to take into consideration. I mean, that's so appreciated. Yeah, totally agree. The uh, hive, I guess, that we have uh, on Twitter and even through emails and things like that is awesome, and we appreciate you all. So we will have all sorts of conversation. We are accepting your questions via the email. Last year, we did a couple, like, uh, question mailbag type things, so I'd love to do those again as, as we go forward, and we will talk to you again soon here on the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.